At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Denver City Cast with Holden Kushner, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. It is Holden hanging out with you today. Big show. We're going to talk about uh, some Broncos with Cody Rourke from Mile High Sports. I'm also going to send Broncos fans into the weekend on a hopeful note. Lots going on with the Avs. Looks like they're getting very, very healthy. Updated Stanley Cup champions odds. Plus, plus, going to look back at that ticket market and why you should be rooting for the Lightning to win the Eastern Conference Finals. Got an NBA Finals bet as well, and the Rockies, a Rockies bet tonight. So we got a few bets going on on this show. Let's get into the front range four, though. These are the four biggest stories in sports on the front range. So I told you I was going to send Broncos fans into the weekend on a hopeful note. Um, all you got to do is go out to Seattle where their head coach, Pete Carroll, talked about the Geno Smith-Drew Lock quarterback competition. Could you imagine? Because <laughs> this is why you go into the weekend on a high note. You don't have to worry about that now. This is where the Broncos have been for how long? Five, six years? And you don't got to worry about it. And, and, and Pete Carroll said this, Geno's still ahead. Lock is going to catch up. And he believes in Lock. And he said something that Locke didn't feel in Denver is that the organization didn't believe in him and they didn't believe in him. And there was a reason for that. He was highly inaccurate, but imagine if George Payton didn't swing that deal for Russell Wilson. Think about it. The battle would have been drew Locke versus another backup quarterback, whichever one that would have been, there would have been tons of pessimism around this team, despite the new ownership, finally being in place here, tons of pessimism. 
And you're just luck. We're just lucky. Sometimes I think about this. Like you don't have to worry about Drew Locke anymore. It's amazing. It would have been, they would have been primed for a seven straight season without a shot at the playoffs, even with a new head coach, even with a new head coach, by the way, last night I had a couple extra minutes. I only watched the third period of the uh, lightning and the Rangers, which the lightning ended up winning. There's a new movie on Netflix, Adam Sandler. I think it's called hustle. Yeah. Wancho's in it. Oh, that's the other thing I forgot. Wancho, Aaron and Gomez. So many of us remember Wancho. He's in that movie. So is Aaron Gordon. Uh, it's a, look how excited I got. It's a Netflix movie. Sandler is a scout for the Sixers. I know I'm going off script here, but he's a scout for the Sixers. He finds Wancho who goes under another name. He brings him back. He saves his career. It's the best Sandler movie since Happy Gilmore. It's been ages since he had a really good movie. I highly recommend it. Anyways, back to the real world now. That's what I did. I watched some Netflix. I watched that. I watched, oh, I also watched the Tani-san with a two-run jack. Andy pitched, and he beat the Red Sox all by himself last night. That's what I did last night. But I was also looking at the odds for comeback player of the year, and Drew Locke was there just because I had my, my time on my hands. Now, here are the odds for the NFL Comeback Player of the Year on Bet Rivers in Drew Locke's range. Okay, I'm not placing a bet on any of these guys, but it's the 25 to 1 range, plus 2,500. Former Bronco Drew Locke, right? Didn't believe in him here. He's plus 2,500 to win Comeback Player of the Year. The other guys in his range at plus 2,500, by the way, DeAndre Hopkins, who is going to miss, what, first six games of the year, uh, Travis Etienne, who missed his rookie season, Baker Mayfield, who who the hell knows where he's playing, and Khalil Mack is out there too. So difficult to place a bet on a guy who showed no signs of being a starting quarterback when he was here. So Locke goes to a system that held Russell Wilson back from realizing his potential. Betting this would be burning money on Drew Locke. The other options in his range, same range as DeAndre Hopkins, who's out for at least the first six weeks of the season. You got Baker Mayfield. Again, no idea what team he's playing for this year. Uh, Travis Etienne, who surprisingly was, was chosen early by the Jack. Actually, it shouldn't have been surprising because that organization is a complete dumpster fire on stilts. But ATN is going to basically have his rookie season now after missing last year with an injury. He could be good. He could be really good, but he's in a timeshare with James Robinson in Jacksonville. So again, ATN could be electric, but he's going to need an injury to rack up enough numbers to be in considerations. Uh, next... If I'm going to bet on one guy in this range, it's going to be Khalil Mack. Extremely talented still. I know he's in his early 30s now, but he gets a fresh start and revamp Chargers defense. I mean, he's been stuck in Chicago. He was stuck with the Raiders in Chicago. He's finally on a team that's good. He played in just seven games last year, but if he can get back to a full season and put up double-digit sacks again, he's going to be in the mix. So... I looked at this range. I said, there's got to be one guy. Yeah, Khalil Mack would be that guy. Last time he had those double-digit sacks, though, 2018. It's possibly gets back there. And by the way, Odell Beckham is at plus 2,800. He's a longer shot to have the comeback player of the year than Drew Locke is. Obviously, extremely talented Odell is. But he isn't on a team, and he's had a hard time staying on the field. Actually, he's had a very hard time staying on the field and he's probably not going to be near 100%, maybe even all season. So I actually think Mac would be a good pick in this range. And I'm going to talk about more of these odds in the offseason as we continue to go on. I'm going to at least put Khalil Mack on the list 
as a flyer at 25 to one. I like it. Number two on the front range four. these are the four biggest sports stories on the front range here in the Denver area. Avalanche. Ah, uh, yes. Got to talk about them because I love them. We also love them, man. They're, they're just terrific. The updated Stanley Cup finals lines, the championship, NHL champion lines. So the Avalanche are down to minus 200. Okay, they're down to minus 200. Uh, the Rangers are plus 1,700. So 17 to 1 if you think the Rangers are going to win six games. They're down 3-2 in the Eastern Conference Finals. Lightning, who were, I, I mean, they were plus maybe 900, down 2 nothing in the series to the Rangers. If you backed them, plus 195 to get through that series to win a game six or seven. And then take on your avalanche. So them winning three straight has pushed them to that plus 195 price. I also think since it's the lightning, people are starting to realize, wow, that could be a better series than the avalanche and the Rangers. So the Avs chances of coming down or their odds are coming down from something like plus or minus 235 to minus 200. Still not even close. Still not even close to placing a bet if you're going to place the futures on it. Wait till the series comes out. Series price comes out. Actually, you might want to wait till after game one at this point. Long, 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 long layoff. Long layoff. Oh, and by the way, game one of the cup finals, it's either going to be Wednesday, next Wednesday, June 15th. So we'd have a Wednesday and a Friday game here. Or, and that's if the Lightning beat the Rangers in six. If it takes seven games for the Lightning and Rangers, then it's going to start on Saturday, June 18th. So that would be what? Like a 12-day layoff? 13-day lay 13-day layoff? Now, somebody called Kareen Leon has a concert that Saturday night. He's getting the boot. For those of you that had tickets to Corinne Leon, adios. You better be rooting for the Lightning tonight or that, that concert's getting moved. <laughs> he's, you know what? Whoever Corinne Leon is, he's probably hoping the Lightning beat the Rangers in six. So he can make that money. Uh, one other note here. One other note here from some odds on Bet Rivers. Some money coming in on Kale McCarr to win the Conn Smythe Trophy as the playoffs MVP, but it's a very little. He's down from two to one at plus two hundred to plus one ninety-five. I mean, it's a very very small shift, but you can tell there's some money coming in on Kale McCarr right now. Um, I, I, I've been a little disappointed in the lack of buzz here in town. Talking to a buddy of mine who's in there, he's like, I don't even care. He, he lives just north. I think he's in Thornton. He's like, I don't care. This is the avalanche, man. Uh, why should I be watching hockey? And I'm like, would you watch him more? If Would you be interested if you could watch him in the regular season and you had access to that? He's like, maybe. But I'm just not hearing too much buzz. Well, then I go into the gym. I'm hearing guys talking about the avalanche. And ladies, too. And ladies, too. And then I see that yesterday... They absolutely, Avs fans absolutely packed the Family Sports Center in Centennial standing room only to watch practice. So I'm starting to feel a little bit of love for the Avalanche now. It's starting to bubble up. I don't like this almost two weeks of a break, but I think that once we get maybe to the eve of the first game, things will be really exciting. But I uh, want to get to some X's and O's now. Or some, I guess, band-aids and shots and and uh, and surgical masks. Um, 
health-wise, this long layoff, something good is coming out of it, right? Darcy Kemper said he's 100%. So, again, I've been in the Franco's corner. I think now, at this point, they are going to go Darcy Kemper if I had to bet on it. He's 100%, and he's just a, he's a slightly better goalie. Let's face it. But I did like what Franco's brought. I didn't think it was great by any means, but they got through the Western Conference Finals with him. So Darcy Kemper likely going to start. He's 100%. Um, and Jared Bednar said he's hopeful Nazim Kondry is going to come back and play. He got a broken thumb. Same thing with Andrew Cogliano. So he's saying he's hopeful that both will play at some point in the Stanley Cup Finals. This is great news, right? So Kadri had the broken thumb, Cogliano with the broken thumb. That was back in game four. So Kadri's had a little bit more time because he busted his thumb in game three. Cogliano did it in game four. Be great to have both these guys back. Be great to have uh, Kadri back to get under the skin of whoever the hell the Avalanche are playing, whether it be Tampa Bay or the Rangers. Uh, last note here on the Avs. I always, or always, it's been so many days uh, <laughs> since the Avalanche clinched. I want to talk about the uh, the ticket prices. And I, I told you, two days right after the, the, the Western Conference Finals were clinched, about $700 to get in the door. Two days ago, we're looking at about $950 to $1,000 to get in the door. Yesterday, it dropped back down. But I also mentioned that you're going to want to get the Lightning in the finals and not the Rangers, okay? So let me just say this. Number of tickets available for the Stanley Cup finals and average ticket prices on the secondary market. Now, this would be... Um, in New York, we'll start with them, 3,500 seats. The average ticket price there is $4,300. $4,300. Tampa Bay, home arena, 1,279 tickets for game three of the finals, $3,600. The cheapest place to get in for game one of the Stanley Cup finals is going to be here in Denver. $2,800 for the average ticket price 3,200 seats still available on the secondary ticket market. So not many available in Tampa. That price is rising. A lot available in Madison Square Garden. I think that's because the team is now down three games to two. But let's face it, you think it's expensive here. Go to New York sometimes. $4,300. So the most affordable place to get in is here in Denver. And I think that, again, if you get these Rangers fans, there's a lot of Rangers fans here already. They're going to travel. They have won the cup in the last, how many years? Still 50, 60, 70 years. 1994 was the last time they won the cup. Uh, they're going to, they're going to, it's going to be a barrage here. It's going to be a barrage. So it's the cheapest to get in right now. But I'll tell you this, if the Rangers get in, I see the, that average ticket price going up to about 35, 3,600. And it's going to be well over $1,000 to get in there. So go and root for the Tampa Bay Lightning if you want to buy a ticket to the Stanley Cup Finals on the secondary market. All right, that was number two on the front range for the four biggest stories in sports on the front range. Let's go look at game number four of the NBA Finals between the Celtics and the Warriors. This game again in Boston with the C's up two games to one. The series price, Warriors plus 190. Celtics minus 235. Tonight's line. Now, I want you to remember this. The Celtics had not uh, lost back-to-back -back games 
very often during the season. They've been terrific in the playoffs. Well, guess who else hasn't lost back-to-back games? The Warriors. Now, I saw this price go, or the, the, the number go to three and a half yesterday. It was Warriors plus three and a half. Now it's plus four. Celtics minus four, minus 109. On the money line, C's minus 162, plus 135 for the Warriors. 214 is the total. I have not messed with the total in this series. I just see it vacillating back up and down and up and down. My plan will be to hit the Celtics in this game at even money. Um, the trend of the Warriors not losing games back to back. I just think the Celtics are the better, more balanced team. I, I, the Celtics don't have anybody as great as Steph Curry. But Klay Thompson has not been good in this series. Jordan Poole struggling a little bit on the road. Draymond Green has been a disaster. He had one of the worst playoff games in the history of the world where he just did not produce at all playing a ton of minutes. Uh, again, the Warriors have not lost back-to-back games. I'm, I'm not going, you know, I'm not going to target that game uh, pre-game, but I'll tell you what, I'm targeting again. We're going to go right back to this very simple strategy for me. Bet the Warriors to win the third quarter. That's it. It's at plus money. It's plus 104. And what I tell you the other night, Warriors were minus 109 pregame to win the third. They were minus 143 at halftime. Wow. Okay. Now, the Warriors, again, another monster third quarter. I think even if they're up, they're still going to come out. They're still going to come out and do what they do. That third quarter trend has been going on for three years now, not only including the postseason, but going back to the postseason. Actually, I'll go farther back than that. Um, The Warriors in the third quarter, net ratings. It's 2015, number one in 15, number one in 16, number one in 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. Wow. Wow. 20 and 21, though, remember... They had a lot of injuries. So actually, they were not number one in 2020 and 2021. But that was just a ton of of injuries there. It's amazing how great they have been. I just don't overthink this. I'm just betting it. It's an auto bet for me at this point. Warriors, third quarter, plus 104. Let's get into some baseball. Number four on the front range, four of four biggest stories in sports on the front range. Rockies won a series from the Giants for the first time since 2018. Are you kidding me? They beat the Giants 4-2 yesterday. They took two of three. They lost one of the games. The game they lost was in extra innings. So they are playing. They played some good baseball in San Francisco. That was cool to see. The offense is not tearing it up, but they've got some great pitching. Great pitching. So, unfortunately, they're still 9-21 in their last 30 games. But tonight, they start a weekend series in San Diego against the Padres. You'll have the game tonight. You'll have a doubleheader. And then you'll have a game Sunday. Marquez is pitching there. So a four-game set in three days in San, in San Diego against the Padres. Here are the lines tonight on Bet Rivers. And I do have a good play in this one. I'll, I'll just give you the overall lines. And then we can get into my play. Uh, Rockies plus 205 on the money line. Padres minus 250. Uh, Rockies on the run line. That means they can lose by one run or win. And uh, you win the bet at minus 108. They lose by two or more, you lose that. Uh, Padres, by the way, if they lose by, or they win by two or more runs, minus 115 on the run line. Total here is seven and a half. 
Juice to the under, minus 115, minus 104 to the over. Here's how I'm attacking this with Chad Cool going up against Joe Musgrove. And Cool comes into the season as the number five starter. He's been their best starter. He's keeping the ball on the ground. Okay? Here's my play. It's Chad Cool against Joe Musgrove, who, by the way, is 6-0. We don't care about wins, right? With a 1-6-4 ERA. I'll give you the rationale behind it, but my play is first five innings under four and a half runs at minus 141. First five under four and a half minus 141. And if you listen to this show, you know that I rarely, if ever, will go to that threshold with the juice at minus 141. But here is my thought process behind this. Musgrove, one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. He had a no-hitter into the eighth in Milwaukee in his last start. He's just, you know, he went to Houston. He learned about spin rate. And since then, he's just been a, a great pitcher. And he was a great prospect with the Astros, too, uh, Joe Musgrove. But he's one of the best in baseball. Um, he's in the mix to actually start the All-Star game. Uh, at least I think so. He's been amazing. And now he's facing a Rockies offense, which continues to struggle on the road. I mean, they just stink there. The Rockies are 28th in weighted runs created plus on the road. They are 28th in slugging percentage. They are 27th in on-base plus slugging. If they're going to win this game straight up, by the way, if they're going to win this game straight up, uh, it's going to be like a 2-1. If you think the Rockies win this, you can hit them on a massive plus money. What was it? Plus 200. And then, you know, you, you go with the under there if you want to do a same game parlay. But Chad Cool, after a little regression in the middle of last month, he's got back on track in his last three starts, and he is keeping the ball on the ground. Uh, Padres offense has awakened as of late, but they're still 23rd in home on base plus slugging bottom 10 in slugging percentage and most offensive categories. So I'm going to trust both starting pitchers here and my play again, under four and a half runs, first five innings, minus 141 on bet rivers. Okay. Next on the Denver city cast presented by bet rivers. Let's do some Broncos talk. Let's get some Intel. Russell Wilson, new owner, new stadium, that and more, Cody Rourke with Mile High Sports joins me next on the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three leg same game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com. Must be 21, must be located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 522 4700. Welcome back to the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Holden and Cody Rourke. Now, Cody joins us for the first time. He is the senior Broncos analyst at Mile High Sports. Congratulations on the new gig, my friend. I know it's been a little while, but way to go getting that. And uh, second of all, whew, it's been a fun season for the Broncos, a little fun off season for the Broncos. Usually we talk about how much they're going to suck next year over the last couple of years. Well, this year, it's a completely different dynamic. How is it 
around the team. I know you're around these guys. Yeah, I mean, the excitement right now in Dove Valley is very, very high. And I think, you know, maybe a, maybe a new guy by the name of Russell Wilson might have a lot to do with that. It also helps that there is a coaching staff, obviously a brand-new head coach led by Nathaniel Hackett, who has a bunch of energy to him. The way that he teaches players, the way that he coaches guys, it's really bought in, I think, to changing a little bit of the culture inside the locker room. So, you know, while players are excited, coaches are excited, Broncos fans are equally as excited for the first time in many, many years. Okay, so let's talk about Wilson then. I know I know it's been nonstop Russell Wilson, but he's there. You know, you're getting a chance to see him now. Uh, first of all, any insight on the connections that he's had when he's gone out and had a chance to throw to his receivers? Anything that stands out with Sutton? or Judy, or Tim Patrick? Who does he have the best connection with right now? <laughs> you know, it's really hard to say who he has the best connection with, but mm -hmm. the fact is he's got a pretty good connection with all of these guys. And it was, uh, you know, it all started shortly after it was announced that he was traded to the Denver Broncos. Even before the move was official in the new league year, uh, Russell Wilson flew all the Broncos receivers, some offensive linemen, some other backup quarterbacks up to San Diego at his compound to train. And he got to work with all of them. Uh, you know, I will say this. I think that there could be a multitude of different guys on a week-to-week -week basis that could be the top receiver based on with the Broncos personnel, who they have, if they all stay healthy. Uh, but, you know, I think he likes all of them. And I think that maybe if I could guess maybe a little bit of an estimation as to maybe who we might see him throw to a lot this upcoming season, it could be Jerry Judy, depending on where the Broncos plan to put him, whether it's inside the slot, whether it's on the outside. Uh, those guys do have a connection with one another. Uh, but, you know, same connection could be said with Tim Patrick or Corlin Sutton. I think a lot will be depending upon how defenses play the Broncos wide receiving unit on a week-to-week -week basis. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough betting which wide receiver <laughs> is going to lead the yeah. team in receptions and yards on a week-to-week -week basis, right? So I try and handicap it right now. I'm still really big on Jerry Judy, but mm -hmm. you got the groin injury. You got the debacle where it probably got blown out of proportion with Judy um, and his partner. But there's there's been a lot working against Judy here. What's going to make this season different for him? Well, you know, I think for, for Judy, coming into his rookie season, we saw the things that he could do. We saw the flashes as to why the Broncos drafted him with their first-round pick back in the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, and then he just went through the whole variety of different changes. Obviously, the COVID year there, I think his rookie season, the biggest issue for Judy was just dealing with drops. And they weren't necessarily like, oh, he just can't catch the ball. It was more so he was looking to get upfield and making a play before the ball hit his hands. We call those concentration drops. Uh, and last year, he only had one total drop. Now, last year in 2021 the issue with Jerry Judy was he was having a really great start to the season week one against the New York Giants he had six catches for 72 yards through the third quarter and then he gets rolled up on in a kind of a freakish way and we all feared the worst based on looking at the replay we thought it could have been a broken leg a broken ankle something along those lines luckily it was just a high ankle sprain and he returned seven weeks later against the Washington Commanders then kind of had a little bit of a bigger breakout against the Dallas Cowboys the following week the week after the Broncos traded away Von Miller and then after that offensive coordinator Pat Shermer didn't utilize him utilize him as a jet sweep guy as a motion guy and would never give him the ball wouldn't isolate him in running routes and then they only finally decided to get him involved in route running in the final week of the regular season against the Kansas City Chiefs it was just uh, the Broncos coaching staff last year under Pat Shermer really misutilized the talent that they had and not sure if it had anything to do with who was under center at the quarterback position but uh, for Jerry Judy, I think that he fell victim, I think, to the perception of Broncos fans thinking he didn't do anything last year. He couldn't do anything because he wasn't utilized in a way where he could have had an impact on the team.
No, that's the big thing here. It was completely inept play calling under Shermer. And and everybody knew it, I guess, except for Shermer. Maybe by the time <laughs> he was out of here, he knew that it was bad. How did they utilize Cortland Sutton better? Or was last year a bit on him trying to come back from the injury? And, and I'm going to be honest with you. It looked to me late in the season, there was a couple of times where he didn't give his 100%. The, well, you the know, effort wasn't there. I, I think for court, I think a good portion of last season was kind of 50-50, right? I think also utilization, but I also think coming off the ACL. But, you know, in week two against the Jacksonville Jaguars, he had over 10 receptions for over 100-plus yards in a big-time game against the Jaguars. But the Broncos, and unfortunately, Teddy Bridgewater just wasn't a consistent enough deep ball thrower where he could find those guys consistently. And so Cortland, for him coming off of an ACL, one area he really focused on working on last season, especially while coming back. We all know he can do the deep ball but for him it was running the short to the intermediate routes there uh you know there were times that the broncos offense as a whole players were frustrated because they would actually go to pat Shermer and they would say hey, coach this isn't working can we try this and then they were told i'm the coach you're the player you do what i say i'm going to yeah. keep coaching so you know i think that maybe for like there were times that maybe some players seemed checked out a little bit i mean i felt like it would have been hard as a former player myself. It would have been very hard to want to be checked in when the feedback that you provide as somebody who's out there going against things and you know what's working, you know what's not working, that feedback isn't valued. Uh, Cortland is fully healthy right now, coming off of you know a season where he made it through coming back from the ACL, which you know there's a mental hurdle that comes with that. We've seen that with Jamal Murray, and we're waiting to see Jamal Murray return for the Denver Nuggets uh, from his ACL injury. But for Cortland this year, I think that it's, they're going to unleash him. I think that he's going to be the deep ball threat, the main guy on the outside. And I also think they're going to find ways to utilize him attacking the deep middle part of the field alongside Tim Patrick. I think that these guys are going to return back to form. And this is why George Payton gave both he and Tim Patrick a contract extension is because he knew coming into it, they're going to get a quarterback that can throw the ball downfield and utilize them as to what they do best. Man, um, that's that's good news here. Now, I'm listening to a lot. I, I watch all the press conferences, and Nathaniel Hackett, to me, he's just offense, man. <laughs> it's almost like there's a competition between him and the defensive side. Is that accurate? Well, I mean, I'd say a little bit, right? You know, the yeah. thing about head coaches, and, and this is always something I always try to encourage fans to dive deeper into, every single head coach has, has experience on every side of the ball. Like for Nathaniel Hackett, he's had experience coaching special teams. He's had experience in his coaching career working on the defensive side of the ball, but his passion is really on the offensive side. So for him, I, I kind of like that he's focused on the offense because when we look at this team, Holden, the Broncos offense since Peyton Manning, even during Peyton Manning's year, the offense wasn't that great. Like they had a good running game, but the offense was not what we had all expected it to be. Now you bring in a guy who can maybe amplify that with Hackett and also combining what he knows in his offense with Russell Wilson and what Russ likes best. The offense could be really, really good this upcoming season. But he also brought in guys on the defensive coaching staff that he trusts. And I think that's one of the most important things, one of the most important signs, too, is you bring in as a coach, you understand how to delegate. And I think that's exactly what Nathaniel Hackett has done a really good job of so far, delegating all the defensive stuff to Dom Capers and Ejiro Evro, who's the new defensive coordinator of the season, and obviously a brand-new coaching staff minus Christian Parker, who stayed on from the staff from last year. There's just a lot of excitement, but this is a coaching staff that when I've talked to certain players, they said, hey, this is a coaching staff that they overteach, which is a good thing because they also value your feedback. So these players now feel like they have a voice. Like if something isn't working for them or they feel like, you know, they want to approach the coach, say, hey, 
What can we do differently? They're open to listening to it, which I think is a really good thing. You know, Broncos' new coaching staff is embracing that, which has bought a lot of good faith inside that locker room. Even when a team is horrible, you're going to get that small segment of the fan base that doesn't matter. They're going to be optimistic. They're going to think everything's Absolutely. But then you look at the other side of things. There's a lot of realistic fans. They said, boy, this this organization's in bad shape. So... The pulse of the fan. I know you have that too. Like, when was the last time this city was this excited about a Broncos season? Ah, Peyton Manning days. (laughs) It has to be. It has to be. It has to be the Peyton Manning days. You know, I think for for us, the only time I can really think that there was like some level of excitement was going into the 2018 season, right? Case Keenum was the quarterback, the Broncos' big-time off-season acquisition. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, Phillip Lindsay, the Colorado kid, was making plays at training camp, and everyone's like, hey, the Colorado kid's making plays. He should have been drafted. But, you know, he ends up being the starter for the Broncos anyways that season. The excitement was pretty high then. Unfortunately, it didn't really match that there. But I'd say, like, right now is probably an all-time high. And I think for, like, Colorado sports in general, it's a great thing. Like, with the Avs, you know, what they were able to do and obviously get to the Stanley Cup final with the Denver Nuggets trying to make the run that they had and obviously – Calvin Booth now taking over as the main guy since Tim Connolly's departure. The Nuggets are going all in. So it's like between three of the major sports in Denver, you know, hopefully the Rockies can find a way to get back at some point. It's a good time for Colorado sports fans right now. This is a very, very exciting time. Settle down on the Rockies, okay? Okay, maybe. (laughs) Maybe in another, maybe maybe in our lifetime. Hopefully. They'll get back to the, uh, yeah, hopefully they'll get back to the World Series. Hey, this is a betting show. So I did place a futures bet. And that was Patrick Sertan to win Defensive Player of the Year. It's a long shot. I mean, it's 100 to 1. So why not sprinkle a little bit here? Let's talk about the player. Why would this not at least be in the realm of possibility, given my thoughts? I think this kid could be turned into the best cornerback in the NFL this year. I really do. And I think you also have to be on a good defense. This has the potential to be a great defense. Talk to me about Patrick Sertan, what you expect out of him in year number two. Because, again, it's a bit of a long shot, but I love this kid. Hey, you know what? Like I said, if it's 100 to 1 odds, throw, you know, 10, 20 bucks on it, Mm -hmm. and you never know what could happen with it. It's a great futures bet to kind of put out there because I do think that while we have seen defensive backs, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Jalen Ramsey, not Jalen Ramsey, Stephon Gilmore was the last cornerback to win the yes. Defensive Player of the Year award back when he was playing for the New England Patriots. Patrick Sertan, I think if one thing that he can do is get takeaways and minimize, you know, big plays happening, which, you know, he didn't really give up many big plays at all last season anyways. He made a lot of big plays. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people were looking at Trayvon Diggs last year and saying, okay, well, he had 11 interceptions. How come he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year? Well, the reality of the situation is he gave up over a thousand yards receiving to you know through the air and gave up a lot of touchdowns to opposing wide receivers uh, if he can have sort of like the type of season we saw Champ Bailey have back in 2006 that very very epic season I, I think that there is a possibility I think a lot of it's going to be predicated on are the Broncos winning games right because I don't think they're going to give defensive player of the year award to some to a team that doesn't have as many wins or aren't even in the play on playoff conversation. Uh, but for him, he's such a technical player. And, and you know me as a former defensive back, I, I love studying his game. I mean, he is his technical aspect while he's playing press coverage, where he's playing off the ball. He's so smart so far ahead of his time as a second year player. He continues to evolve, and if he can stay healthy, which I think that for the Broncos, I think there's a really good chance for the way that he plays the game, how safe he plays it, and just how smart. He's going to be playing a lot of games. He's going to be an impact player. He could arguably be the best player on the Broncos' defense this upcoming season. Uh, 
I, I think that there there's a good chance possibly. And, and look, I, I wish the NFL would expand their awards to you know awarding. Obviously, there's defense player of the year, but why not release a DB of the year? Why not release yeah. a linebacker of the year? I mean, just add more parity to it because I think that there's a lot of players out there that deserve a lot of consideration that don't necessarily get it. But Patrick Sertan last year as a rookie didn't get enough national recognition. Now this offseason has been completely different, which has been great. But it's like. How come all of a sudden now he gets the recognition a year after the fact when he put in tremendous work last season? And, uh, you know, like I said, for him to cover number one receivers like he did Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, hold Jamar Chase to one catch for three yards, pretty dang special in my opinion. Yeah, I got some great numbers on that because it wasn't just him. It was um, it, you just look at him matching up against some of the elite receivers. He did it. Tyreek Hill, you mentioned, but you can go down the list. Jamar Chase, he shut dudes down. So let me ask you about one other guy on the defense then. He's got to stay healthy, but Bradley Chubb. <laughs> Where's the ceiling here with Chubb if he's actually on the field for 17 games? Well, you know, if he's on the field for 17 games and he can stay healthy, I think he'll be an impact player. And and one thing I've been trying to tell Broncos fans, I understand, like, from Bradley Chubb coming in his rookie season, I think so many people have forgotten about how he was his rookie season 12 sacks he almost broke the rookie sack record and then all of a sudden the next year you know a couple of games in the season four games into it tears his acl that's a big bummer comes back the next year gets off to a little bit of a slow start because as we mentioned coming off of an acl he makes it to the pro bowl and becomes one of the broncos best defensive players in 20 uh, 2020 and all of a sudden it's like okay yes he has the ankle injury at the end of the 2020 season impacts him he has to have a bone spurt removed from him during training camp so that holds him out he comes back week two against the Jaguars in 2021 and re-aggravates it because he just simply wasn't ready but he was trying to give it a go that held him out obviously a little bit longer and I think that was the frustration we always talk about the best ability is availability unfortunately he's dealt with injuries beyond his control but when he is on the field he's an impact player and we saw it in these final four games for the Broncos in 2021 he was getting after quarterbacks he maybe didn't show up in the stat sheet necessarily but I think you have to look at how often he was disruptive and if he can stay on the field for 17 games I think all the disruptiveness that we've seen from him can translate into the statistical production that I think a lot of Broncos fans are looking for but it's a big year for him this is a contract year for Bradley Chubb and he's focused on making all the plays that he can Yep, and the last thing, the last position I want to bring up before we get to the ownership would be running back. I, it's it's pretty clear cut, right? It's Javante one, Melvin Gordon two. If something were to happen to Melvin Gordon, though, would that mean that Javante his touches are going to go way up, or do they just move down the depth chart and fill it in that way? Because I'm trying to find out a ceiling here for Javante if everything falls into place for him. Well, Nathaniel Hackett believes in a by-committee approach. Javante is mm -hmm. going to be the premier back for the Broncos this season. I mean, that was their priority all along. And, you know, Melvin Gordon's market that he thought he was going to have in free agency just simply wasn't there. But I think both these guys together are very good. They complement each other really well. They offer different skill sets that the Broncos can utilize offensively. Now, I would say, like, let's say something does happen to Melvin Gordon. Let's say he gets banged up. They won't add – I don't think they'll add more reps to Javante's workload. They really want to keep him fresh during a 17-game regular season schedule but I think that they'd look to offset it and, and balance it between the guys like Demaria Crockett or Mike Boone I know there's going to be training camp competition between those guys for that running back three spot here in Denver uh, and it could be Mike Boone who's probably the favorite but don't sleep on Demaria Crockett he's been a guy that stepped up for them in the preseason and also last year at times when they needed him to so they're just going to spread that out and, and you know what I, I wouldn't even be shocked that going into the regular season if we do see the Broncos utilize three running backs throughout the season regularly on the offensive side of the ball. 
Okay, let's go to ownership here. What changed with the addition of Rob Walton and the Penners? What's changed now? Well, you know, now the Broncos have a voice at the table. You know, something that's been missing since Pat Bullen unfortunately passed away due to his battle with Alzheimer's. The Broncos' presence of ownership has been missing. And a great example of that was when the Broncos had the COVID outbreak in the quarterback room. And granted, the quarterbacks weren't following the necessary protocol to do so. The NFL made an example out of them. Whereas if you have an owner, you have an owner who's going to be very firm. You have an owner who's going to fight back. Now, while John Elway and Joe Ellis tried their hardest to, to fight back against Roger Goodell and the NFL and what they decided to rule on, they made an example out of them. And unfortunately, those guys weren't the voice of ownership. And I think Garrett Bowles touched on it in a recent media press conference is that, you know, they, those guys knew that there was an expiration date coming on their presence in the ownership facet there. Now the Broncos have a guy who has a voice at the table, but also you can make the argument the most powerful voice at the table when you talk about he's by a wide, wide, wide margin, worse than the Broncos lost to the Seahawks in the Super Bowl margin in terms of ownership. He is the wealthiest out of everybody. But how does that dynamic work when you're an outsider coming in now to what we necessarily call a good old boys club at the NFL ownership level? How do you, with the most money, have an ex, you know, the voice at the table? Are they going to try to take advantage of that? Are they going to try to sway you? And I think that's where maybe the Broncos bringing on Peyton Manning in a kind of an ownership type of role as an advisor, whatever it may be, that has some equity stake. It brings that football side to it. I think it offers a lot of uh, validity there. But now... The Broncos have everything in place, whether they need to make any renovations to the stadium, whether they want to go out and they get new jerseys, whether it helps with contract extensions. We could see that have an added benefit with Rob Walton and Greg Penner's group now taking over the team. Uh, a lot of exciting things in store. I think a lot of Broncos fans are still kind of skeptical right now. They're trying to figure out, you know, what is what are Rob Walton's intentions with the team? I think that is the biggest question that many fans have right now, and we await to see what they will be. I, I just wonder what the intentions, how they could be bad at this point. Guy spends a ton of money. I did a bunch of research uh, talking to very, very rich people. <laughs> and they kind of went through it and said, he's kind of the, the humble leader. He's the guy that's going to listen to the fans. He's the guy that's going to listen to people around him when he's making all his decisions. I'm very bullish on him. I'm buying into this richest owner in the NFL. But the one thing that has really just kind of separated and made a life of its own would be the stadium issue, right? Yeah. They still got Empower Field for nine years. I mean, should we really expect a new stadium? I, I suppose if he can find the land and build a little mini city around it, he can make more money that way if, if that's what the, the bottom line is. Personally, I, I, if you're going to have a new stadium, don't put it in Thornton or uh, DIA because I'm south of the city. Yeah. So just personally, you know, that'd be bad for me. What's your take? What do you think happens with a new stadium? Do we have one here in the next five, ten years? Uh, I think there's a possibility of that. I mean, as you mentioned, like how can Rob Walton maybe utilize his financial backing to build a stadium in a place? I, I still think that it being where it's at is in the heart of downtown Denver. I think that is one of the most important things. It brings everybody from everywhere to one centralized location. Yeah, a lot of Broncos fans have been telling me, you know, hey, put it next to DA. I don't know why anybody would want to do that, in my opinion. I, that's just my firm opinion. Keep it in Denver. Keep it near where all the amenities are. But also, like you mentioned, if you can build, like help rebuild a little bit of downtown Denver, especially parts around the stadium, Denver could find a, a way to take advantage of that. I know that the Cronkies have plans, obviously, near Ball Arena in terms of maybe what they plan to do. 
I think that downtown central Denver can really be focused on here. How can you renovate around that the, around those parts of the city, but also how can you keep the stadium intact? I think the stadium's fine. I think it's one of the finest facilities, obviously, that's out there. Now, granted, there's going to be some repairs to some suites that were damaged by the fire a little bit earlier this summer here, but I think that you can add renovations to it. If you don't necessarily need to build a stadium, why do it at this point when you have a stadium that is working? And then you also have to factor in a contingency plan. If for some reason you're going to build a stadium, what's going to happen with the current stadium? Where is the team going to play? If you demolish and power field at mile high, where the, where's the team going to play? And I think that is a huge issue that probably has not been solved. And I don't think we'll probably be at the forefront for the next couple of years, but we'll see how things go. Yeah, I just, that's it, a great point. You don't want to play it up a boulder, right? Great point. Okay, I'm going to leave you with this. Um, I placed this bet already. The Lions, 10 wins for the Broncos in 2022. Over, under, or is that where it's going to end up? I think you can maybe – I think that's where it's going to end up. I mean, I think it's a great line of bet because when you look at AFC West counterparts, it's almost kind of similar minus the Raiders. The Raiders are a little bit lower there, but the Broncos are almost on par with the Chargers. I think they're equal in terms of some of the betting lines. The uh, Chiefs, I think, have like 11.5, if I'm not mistaken, for their over and their under. I think that I think that maybe at that 10.5 is probably right where it needs to be. That's wonderful. Great, great, great to talk with you. Great to meet you. Kind of meet you, Cody. Why don't you plug everything you're doing, where they can find your stuff, and I really appreciate the time. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Holden, for having me on here on your show, Denver CityCast. Really appreciate it. Uh, if anyone wants to check out my work, I, I, pr I produce written content at milehighsports.com. I'm their senior Denver Broncos analyst. I'll be in Dove Valley. I'll be at every practice. I'll be at every game, home and away, this upcoming season, so you can get everything you need to know Denver Broncos-wise. Plus, I host the Lockdown Broncos podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, a daily Denver Broncos podcast, bringing Broncos fans all the information they need that's going on with the team in one place. All right, wonderful. Thank you so much for the time, my friend. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, joy to be next on the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Joe Madden will head up there to uh, Alberta, Canada. She's going to give us our select our selection for uh, Game Six in the Eastern Conference Finals. We'll talk a little NBA Finals as well next. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Must be 21. Must be located in Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, welcome back to the Denver City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. I hop on her show on Thursday. She hops on my show on Friday. Joe Madden from the Joe Madden Podcast. Wonderful to see you, Joe Madden Sports. Hello, Joe. Hey, good morning. So good to be here with you today, Holden. You too. You know, we were talking about what I was going to do last night. Uh, ended up watching an Adam Sandler film on Netflix, which is a great movie, by the way. He hasn't had a good movie in how many years? And uh, it was actually a really, really, really good movie. And then uh, I did watch the third period of the Rangers and the Lightning. Worst period So ever. that was wild, huh? Let's talk about that series here for a second. As the Lightning have won three straight. I don't know if it's because of the layoff or Shesterkin or what. 
But uh, they looked off on those first two games. They're back, aren't they? They're back, the Lightning are. They're absolutely back. And heartbreaking loss for the New York Rangers at home last night in that one. We saw this game tied up that final nine minutes. Just was not good for the New York Rangers. Tampa was able to get that second goal. And then the fate had it. You know, they got the empty netter. Three to one final score. I don't know if the Rangers can go into Tampa and win the next game. I think, and I don't hope, but I think the Rangers are done now. That was just an epic meltdown. I mean, they had the lead for a while. Tampa Bay gets on the board. Then they get a big goal with, what, like a minute to go and an empty netter after that. Like, that's a devastating loss. And I'm with you. I think this thing ends in six games. And not to get too far ahead of myself, but of course I'm going to. How great is that matchup potentially between the Lightning and my Colorado Avalanche? Boy, that could be just a, a test of wills. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. The Avs are really going to have to protect that net in this matchup versus the Tampa Bay Lightning because we know they're offensively so strong. Um, Kemper or uh, Francois, whoever steps into net for you guys, just has to absolutely stand on their head because we know Veselaski will. It doesn't seem like uh, the Lightning's offense is as high-powered high as it has been maybe during the run with the two Stanley Cup championships. Um, how do you think that matches up? Because what I see from the Avs in this playoffs, goaltending mediocre, but they just stuff the crease, and it's tough to get shots on yeah. them. You know? So I, I just feel like offensively, the talent level, there's not a chasm, but for a team that has not gotten to the finals you know, in the last 20 years, um, this Avalanche team, to me, just looks better up and down in the roster. Absolutely. And if they play their game, if they play as solid as we have seen them play in the playoffs here, I do think they can beat Tampa. If they get sloppy defensively and allow those shots, that is my biggest concern. So they have to continue to block the shots on goal and the abs will take it. I think the series goes deep, though. I think we go to six. Ooh, right. That's it. We, we got the NBA finals coming up tonight. And I remember... You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about that Warriors third quarter bet, right? And you hop on that, and now you're getting at a plus money tonight on Bet Rivers, plus 104 for the Warriors to win the third quarter. I mean, at this point, how do you not place that bet, Joe? Yeah, you have to place it. I don't know what happens in that locker room at the half, but the Warriors come out just beast mode. In that third quarter, they have been making us so much money in the playoffs and the regular season in that third quarter. And it will trend the same way tonight in this game against Boston. Now for the full game, Holden. I don't know about you. Really hard to get on Boston laying the four points here. It seems yeah. like a lot. But I can't take the Golden State Warriors because I worry. I worry about how banged up they are. And I really do think Boston is the better team right now. I'll tell you why I like Boston again tonight. And that line, I saw it at three and a half. You know, it went down to three and a half. Like now it. it's back to four. Golden State just hadn't been good on the road. Three and five straight up, two and six against the spread. We see how Boston has just been beating the hell out of them on the boards. I mean, it's amazing. 47-31, out-rebounded so far, outscored in the paint, doubled up, 52-26. I, I think the narrative is going to be, oh, the Warriors are just going to bounce back. I'm not that guy. I, I really do like Boston tonight. I like them. I'll probably bet it in game two. 
But even pregame, getting a little number here because uh, Boston just looks like the far superior team in a lot of different facets. And I'm not that confident that this Warriors offense, well, I can't believe I'm saying this, is going to be as effective in Boston as we've seen them in the, uh, at home in the playoffs. Yeah, and I completely agree with you there. That's the thing. The Warriors on the road have not been doing well. One and six against the spread in their last seven road games. And we look at that, and we also look at these NBA playoffs, and there hasn't been tight, close games. It's not like we're seeing it come down to that final buzzer. So if we like Boston to win, we do have to... I believe, and I'm not sure if I'm going to get there, trust that they can cover the four points. Ooh, okay. You might not get there. That's fine. You're in Canada. Do you bet the Canadian Football League, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, are in action tonight, by the way, against the Ottawa Red Blacks? <laughs> you know what? I haven't started yet. I've been watching these games. I give them a couple of games in season before I start looking at them. Of course, I'm a Calgary Stampeders fan because they're my yeah. local team. Um, I caught a couple of preseason games. They did absolutely incredible. Had a huge blowout win one day. I can't remember who it was over, 41-7. to And um, I'm looking forward to this season. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, I actually look forward to talking to you about this. I was a huge CFL fan growing up. No way. Because there was no football in the offseason, and they'd show it on ESPN down here. They always used to show cool sports. You used to have, like, America's Cup with the yachts. I didn't understand a damn thing about the America's <laughs> Cup, but I used to watch it anyways. You know, they used to have the pro bowling tour. Yeah. And then you would have the CFL, and I was a big Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan because my favorite color was green. Oh, we'll see. They are a fantastic team to get around. Their fan base is incredible. I don't know what yeah. I'd compare it to for um, American football, but their fan base is diehards, probably like the Raiders. I think they're the Raiders of uh, Canadian football. Really? Yeah. The Raiders of Canadian football. All right. What else do we have going on this weekend, Joe? Anything else you're betting? You've got uh, possibly one more game in the Eastern Conference Finals. we got the NBA Finals coming up tonight any baseball, anything else that you'll be looking at to bet on this weekend? You know what? Um, looking out to the weekend, I really haven't. I've been focusing on this um, hockey game. I'm probably going to be getting there with some props in this one and looking at the totals. We saw a total of five and a half come nicely under again last night. This is one where I'm kind of cautious with an elimination game, how early the Rangers, if they get down, will be pulling um, Igor Sisterkin. So I think the total-wise for this one, I might stay off of. Um, I will be looking at some team totals for this, though, and seeing if we can get some overs on the team totals, especially for Tampa. I think their How team total is two and a half. Yeah. How are you attacking this from a props angle? What are you looking at? I'm going to be looking at uh, block shots on goal. I'm going to be Ooh. also looking at um, the goalies lines. So those haven't come out yet, but if we can get some over-unders for the goalies here, I'm definitely going to be attacking those. Oh, that's good. All right, good. I'm looking forward to checking that out. Who's coming up on the show today, Joe? The Joe Madden Sports Podcast. You know what? I have so many fantastic guests today. Um, my next guest kicking off at the bottom Bottom of the hour, yeah, is George Kurtz of SportsGrid. I then have Chris Meany of FTN Fantasy Network. And then Melissa Cunningham. So it's going to be a great day. It's going to go super fast. Oh, and Alex B. Smith of the Ice Guys. So great list of shows. Can't wait to have you back on next Thursday, Holden. Good. It'll be great. Joe Madden, 
one more time plug the uh the the social media so people can go figure out a way to check out the pod yeah absolutely if you guys are looking for me on all social media platforms i even have TikTok, which holden needs to get you guys can find me at joe madden sports Thank you, Joe, and thank you to Cody Rourke from uh, Mile High Sports as we got a little background on the Broncos. My best bets again, Rockies, Padres, under four and a half, first five, and I'm going with the Warriors in the third quarter tonight at plus 104 on Bet Rivers. That's the money line. For Joe, for Cody, for Stephen Young, my producer, I'm Holden Kushner. Thanks for checking out the Denver City Cast presented by Bet Rivers.